Emma, last night I had another Monica Bellucci dream. Did you know? Yeah. She said she needed to talk to me. So when we met at the cafe, you know, Cooper was there, but I couldn't see his face. Mm. Monica was very pleasant. She had brought friends and we all had a coffee. And then she said the ancient phrase, we're like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. And I told her I understood. And then she said, but... Is Lost a good TV show? Mm-hmm. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we're here to answer that very question that Monica Bellucci posed to me in that dream. Is Lost a good TV show? Before we get started, look, I, I've gotten letters, phone calls. I keep answering calls and people will start to tell me about my car's extended warranty and my student loan payments, but then they will start talking to me about my podcast. Um, I woke up the other day, and there was a severed horse head in my bed. Um, wow. And it's not, it's not the one that's normally there. It was a different one. So obviously I started screaming. I screwed up on the last episode. I said a couple really incorrect things. So before we even jump into this one, I'd like to, I'd like to take ownership and apologize and for any harm that I've done. The first is, of course, I made a joke about Michael taking off Claire's shoes when she collapsed. But I looked it up. That is the correct thing to do, apparently. Oh. Um, I live in the desert, so you would think I would know that. But when someone collapses like that, uh, it, heat escapes through their head and their feet. So you want to uncover both of those things. So fair enough. Michael doesn't have a foot fetish. The rest of the characters, we don't know yet. We'll find that out as this podcast goes. I also said that the House of the Rising Sun song had nothing to do with the title of this episode. I did go through the lyrics of it, and here is towards the end. One foot is on the platform, and the other one on the train. I'm going back to New Orleans to wear that ball and chain. Thematically appropriate for this episode, so I was incorrect about that. It was not just because the character's name is Sun. I also have a confession to make, Oh, okay. Um, I cannot wait. uh, We've been getting comments. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Renee Marguerite is a man. Oh, my God. So, listeners, I can't apologize enough. I wanted to sound smart. wanted to sound... (laughs) Like, I knew what was going on with art, and yeah. I screwed it up. So, yeah. And I knew that. I just didn't say anything at the time. I thought it was, uh, you know, inappropriate to just correct you on the podcast. Sure. But, of course, I, I did know. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that uh, artist. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, normally, this actually felt good to do. Normally, when I apologize, you know, in my day-to-day life, I mostly just say things like, I'm sorry you feel that way, and... Uh, I'm sorry that my actions have caused you to behave in this way. So it feels nice to just have a real apology and, and let that out on here. Mm-hmm. Um, on the t- on the title thing, I was going to mention too. I forgot to mention this last episode. the uh, The original title for Walkabout, the episode with Locke, was uh, Lord of the Files. Oh. And they decided not to do that. There is some pretty egregious. Names for episodes, though, there's actually one, I mean, we'll get to it, but there's one episode title in this season, which, in my opinion, is horrendous. It makes me mad when I think about it. 
But we'll get there. Okay. So this episode, House of the Rising Sun. Emma, overall thoughts, what'd you think of it? I I really liked it. I love that we're getting to see more of Sun and Jin. So yeah, I thought it I thought it was good. Ten out of ten. Yeah. I actually I feel like and we'll talk about why as we go on, but like I kind of think this is my favorite episode so far. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's hard to say though because I already know the twists. So this is a much more character focused episode. So I, I think it has a lot more value on rewatch over something. I mean, Walkabout is great, but it also, when you know that he is in a wheelchair the whole time, it makes it hits a little bit softer at the end. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is a great episode. A majority, technically, a slim majority, but technically a majority of the dialogue is subtitled, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty wild. They didn't know if the network was going to let them do it, but they ended up doing it, and I think it worked out really great. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. It aired on October 27, 2004. It's directed by Michael Zinberg, who has a long career of directing television since since the 70s. Um, he directed stuff like uh, The Bob Newhart Show and Mary Tyler Moore Show like early on. I looked to see if he had directed whatever episode of Carol Burnett that had had Christian Shepard laughing till his sides hurt, but I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's does not ever direct another episode of Lost, uh, but did a good job this time. And it's written by Javier Grio Marxau. I don't know, that cannot be how it's pronounced, but I'm certainly not going to be getting it right. We open on Sun's Eye. She is gardening uh, on near the beach, or... Or maybe not gardening, but getting plants of some kind. Uh, Jin is fishing. With his bare hands. Yeah, with his bare hands. It's, I mean, that's impressive. I, I certainly couldn't do it. Have you ever gone fishing? I have gone fishing. But no, I don't. I actually have a pretty horrible story about fishing. We can oh, really? that. But no, yeah, I have to it know was, it. Okay, so me and my best friend, we were fishing off of a dock. Uh-huh. And we caught a fish, but we were both too scared to take it off the hook. And there's this boat coming by, and they said, oh, throw the fish over. We'll, we'll take it off the hook for you. So uh-huh. we threw this fish, or tried to, and it hit their, like, white boat, their white yacht. And, like, uh-huh. just, like, like oh. it was really gross. And after oh. that, I was like, nope, never again. Don't like this. <laughs> That's funny. I have not gone fishing in a very long time. I was always a little, little baby about putting the worm on the hook mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. taking it off of the... I've never, like, cleaned a fish or anything like that, which seems gross. But I would go now. Sounds nice just chilling on a boat mm-hmm. or out on some water, and I would potentially catch absolutely nothing and be fine with that. Jin, however, is catching stuff. He's grabbing it with his bare hands, bashing it against the rock to mm-hmm. kill it. Uh, pretty brutal. <laughs> This episode establishes that they do have an axe, but I might as well just kill it, I guess, against a rock. So Sun is watching Jack and Kate flirt about his tattoos. Uh, Kate is saying that his tattoos don't fit him and asks if he's one of those hardcore spinal surgeons. Charlie asks if they finished verbally copulating. Um, And I guess he seems mad that they have an inside joke. I think he's just mad that one of his girlfriends on the island is flirting with another yes man. yeah he's <laughs> he's he's just uh 
he's just jealous a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is such an interesting because there's this and then the scene in the cave, which we'll get to. But he is, I think at this point, dating Evangeline Lilly. So there is like this weird thing of like, you know, he's like weirdly jealous of it. But I mean, apparently everybody on this island wants to date Kate. Mm-hmm. They've also been there eight days. I don't know if I'd be... I think at that point, maybe you start really amping up the flirting. I don't know. We... So, yeah, Jin <laughs> kills a fish by knocking its head against a rock. Uh, and then we get a flashback. Sun is at a fancy party in Korea. Uh, and Jin is a waiter there. She goes off to a little gazebo on the side and he meets her there. They're hiding their relationship. And she's worried about her father. She suggests running away to America, but Jin doesn't want to elope. And he gives her a flower and says, uh, "This is all. I wish I could give you more. Someday this will be a diamond. Very cute scene. I mm-hmm. like them together. Yeah, very cute. I, so this episode, I, Daniel Day Kim is so great. And he has not gotten a ton to do so far. He's so charismatic. And you really see it in these like flashback, the, especially the early ones with Jin. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's just got you know he's got that great smile and he's he, he seems funny. Yoonjin Kim is, I think, incredible in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Like she's given this performance that I don't know. It's great. She's she's great in every you you. She's fully believable as like the the rich daughter uh, as the uh, the timid you know housewife as the shell shocked. Survivor on the like just the whole deal. She's uh, she's just phenomenal in this episode. I think. Yeah, I think as far as performances go so far, like this is definitely the strongest. Yes, yeah, I would agree. But back in the present day, Jin stomps down the beach and runs and tackles Michael, seemingly for no reason. Right now, Michael isn't doing anything. We eventually find out that it's because Michael is wearing a watch that belongs to Jin. I do think it's crazy <laughs> that Jin sees that Michael's just wearing a gold watch from across the... <laughs> and he just tag, like does not even attempt to figure out if that's the same watch. Jin can spot it from 100 feet and, and he reacts immediately. He's just, he starts beating him and like basically drowning him in the surf. Nobody's stopping it. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as when Joanna was drowning in last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that we have to wait for the main characters to get there, but there's like 30 people just watching, watching right. Michael get the, sh- the shit beaten out of him and in front of, in his, front of his kid. Yeah. yeah. But Saeed and Sawyer uh, both sprint in and separate them. They're both kind of doing like the Tom Cruise run. It's pretty mm-hmm. great. Saeed <laughs> uh, asked for the handcuffs, which I guess Sawyer has just been carrying around on him. And they handcuff Jin to a piece of the plane uh, out there on the beach. That seems miserable like obviously we'll see it as the uh episode goes on but boy oh boy i imagine 30 minutes after you've got to be like wow i should have tackled michael in the shade (laughs) uh for sure (laughs) so jack is leading kate Locke, and charlie to the caves they start filling bottles uh for water and uh jack tells charlie to start looking through all the wreckage uh particularly for any drugs and then Charlie reacts very odd to the word drugs. Like, oh, yeah, drugs. And obviously it's because that's basically just for us as an audience. It is funny to think of, like, a drug addict who's, like, trying to hide it. But then when someone just mentions (laughs) medicine in any way, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, drugs, yeah. Charlie walks off uh, to uh, 
to top off his brown sugar fix, but uh, Locke is following him and tells him not to move. Jack and Kate come out too, and it turns out Charlie is standing on a beehive, which is on the ground. Charlie has an irrational fear of bees. Dominic Monaghan actually loves bugs. I don't know if you know that. He's like, I don't know, he's like one of those kids that just loves playing with bugs. Like, really? Like, no. Yeah, but like if you go, so he has a travel show, um, or did, I don't know if it's still airing with uh, after COVID. It's basically him going and finding like rare animals, and anytime it's a bug, he's like delighted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What are your thoughts on bees? You scared of them? I don't like them on me, but um, I do. I do really like bees. I know that they're very important for the environment, but I don't know. They're not like cute. I kill them any chance I get. Do you really? If I see, if I see a bee, I kill it for sure. No, of course not. Uh, the, uh, That's not like you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. Part- I've never been super worried about bees, though. I've been stung before, and it really didn't hurt. So. It's possible that I got like a, you know, I, I could have just got a really weak bee this, that stung mm-hmm. me. And it's uh, really altering my perception. Uh, yeah, never. I would not want to stand on a beehive, though. I will say that. Yeah, for um, sure. That's where I draw the line. Like, at that point, I don't think it's an irrational fear of bees. I don't know if they actually ended up putting any real bees on on Dominic for the scene. I was going to say, I'm, they should have put more money into this scene. What do you What do you mean? <laughs> you thought that it. You thought that there was an element of it that looked cheap. What would that? What part would would that be? Oh, just all the bees. Oh, all the bees. <laughs> Every single one of the bees looked like they came out of uh, clip art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, they're doing their best. It's two thousand four, baby. That's TVs true. didn't look good back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I I truly I have no idea if there was even one single real bee, but if there was, I'm sure Dominic was thrilled. Uh, back on the beach, Michael is explaining to Saeed that he didn't do anything. Saeed doesn't believe him, just says, no, you must have done something. And Michael says, you know, hey, where are you from? Uh, we find out Saeed's from Tikrit, Iraq. And Michael says, all right, I don't know how it is in Iraq. In the United States of America, where I'm from, Korean people don't like black people. The Koreans, well, sun mostly, they try to explain, but Saeed thinks they're just talking about the handcuffs, even though they're pointing at the wrist uh, about the watch. Mm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Hurley calls them Chinese again. Mm-hmm. He did just hear Michael say Korean. So at this point, Hurley, no excuse, dude. Get your shit together. So I wanted to bring this up. It is an excerpt. I'm just going to read it. I don't have a clip because uh, I don't know. It seems like it would be kind of scuzzy to bring another podcast clip and put it on ours. (laughs) And I want to be clear to our listeners. I'm reading this to you so that you don't have to go to another podcast. We're the only lost podcast you should be listening to. You get one and you've already chosen. It's Mm -hmm. us. So don't be, don't be running around. All right. This is from Damon Lindelof is on uh, the storm podcast it i will say if you do end up going to look for this which you shouldn't there's a lot of spoiler stuff in there so just fyi but uh damon lindelof one of the showrunners says it also has to be said uh through the lens of hindsight uh michael is the only man of color on the show um aside from his conflict with Jin in the early seasons which is what they're talking about right here uh, i think there was a tremendous amount of opportunity to explore that 
even on a ABC show at 8 p.m. It is a jarring oversight, though it was certainly something that we talked about because the writer's room was filled with almost exclusively white people. Uh, it was sort of like, let's not even go there. Uh, we are not comfortable telling those kinds of stories. It, it bugs me a lot that we didn't do it. Uh, and Harold, meaning Harold Perrineau, uh, Michael's actor, uh, mentioned it. Uh, Dude, you should know, he's the only black guy on the island. Uh, people would be saying stuff all the time. And I was like, I, I don't know how to do that. The show is what it is, warts and all, but that is something that has kept me up at night. Uh, hopefully, moving forward, I won't make that mistake again. I have not watched The Leftovers or The Watchmen show, mm-hmm. which are both Damon Lindelof. But I've heard that the the Watchmen show really digs into race, or at least tries to be better about portraying it. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he did get a chance to uh, at least do it right uh, uh, whenever he had his his next project. But yeah, I mean, no need to get too far into this, but it is interesting. Uh, and obviously, yeah, this has to, this, this is a uh, four quadrant TV show. It's got to hit them all. So they can't dig too deep on race, but it is a bummer that, I mean, this, this is basically the only time race is even brought up like in, yeah. over the course of the show. I think mm-hmm. it's good that he is at least self-aware and reflective about it. And I would say that The Watchmen really, it's like the core of the show almost in a lot of ways. Um, mm. So I like guess integral to the story. Um, so I'm glad that he just had that moment and was able to improve. Yes, for sure. And, well, and so like, I mean, there is an element where he's not necessarily wrong. That they, they, I don't know. They, they were willing to work with... So, Daniel Day Kim and uh, Yoon Jin Kim uh, both said in interviews that the, the original storyline that was written for them... And we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but uh, Yoon Jin originally uh, auditioned for Kate. And they did not cast her as Kate, obviously, but they liked her so much that they created a whole new character for her. And then, by extension... Uh, created a character which ended up being cast by Daniel Day Kim. Apparently their original storyline was a little bit more stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And there's still some elements of it that aren't great, and we'll get to those later in the episode. Uh, e- even in just this episode, but in later episodes as well. Uh, they really were able to work with the showrunners and I- explain you know, what the problematic elements were. I don't think people talked like that back then, but you know what what they could change to not be stereotypical. And I believe the, uh, the Korean, uh, community overall was pretty happy with the portrayal. Mm. Um, it wasn't, it's hard to really find stuff now without, you know, having, having the benefit of it being on entertainment tonight or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, from back then. But I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, like, especially in this episode, well, or in any of the flashbacks that take place in Korea, None of them are actually in Korea. Mm-hmm. They're all in Hawaii. They do a pretty good job of making it look different, at least, to where it doesn't look just like Hawaii. But, like, the writers weren't Korean. Javier um, Grio, I truly can't pronounce his last name, but he uh, he's not Korean. And he's talked about it a little bit and, and said, it, you know, basically we just had to focus on the characters and not really on being a super authentic uh, Korean mm-hmm. uh, drama. But... I just think it's uh, it, it's cool that they were willing to work with Sun and Jin, or 
Yunjin and, and Daniel Day Kim. Uh, but it seems weird that they really w- weren't willing to work with uh, Harold Perrineau. Yeah, that is On strange. Michael. Yeah. I wonder, maybe I, maybe it's just it's too close to home. Because in 2004, you didn't have to worry about pissing off the Korean fan base. Yeah. So, like, if they didn't do that right, it would have affected nobody. It wasn't, like, a, a big deal to do that. Um, which isn't to say that it would have actually affected nobody. But anyways, continuing on, uh, we get another flashback. Sun is waiting on a bridge. Um, and again, I think this does look great. Like it looks, mm-hmm. they've, they obviously, they obviously found like, you know, two of the four pagodas that are in, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Hawaii. So, but they, uh, they're using them well. Uh, Jin comes out to talk to her and she asks what her father said. And Jin pulls a classic fake out. Uh, he said yes. Um, she's so excited at first, and then Jin says, "He, you know, all I have to do is work for him for two years. Uh, Sun objects, but Jin says this is what he has to do. Uh, he has to do it the right way. And so he gives her an engagement ring, uh, which he can afford now. Mm-hmm. Back near the caves, Charlie uh, splits the beehive before they're able to cover it, and everybody has to run. Uh, so, uh, Charlie and Locke go one way, Kate and Jack go the other. Kate and Jack run into the caves, uh, they both take their shirts off because, uh, there's bees in them, I guess, and my thought here is why would they not jump in the water? Mm. I guess maybe you don't know what's in there, but you at least for sure know, well, there's no bees in there. Right. Also, and I know that they just look for any excuse to take off their shirts in the show, but Mm -hmm. I would want more fabric between me and the bees. Yeah. I, that part well, did not make sense to me. I guess the idea is if the bee gets underneath your shirt, then it's sure. just trapped there and maybe it's mad. I don't know. This made me think of this. I guess it's not directly analogous, but I just because I think it's so funny that just they immediately just they both have to take their shirts off right away. Obviously, yeah, like you said, it's just to get them to show some skin. But uh, when I was, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, probably around the time this episode aired, I was probably 12 or 13. I was at a friend's house, and our whole family was having dinner with their whole family. And so everybody was at their house, and while dinner was being made, me and my buddy were off. Just, like, riding bikes around the neighborhood or scooters or whatever. And I and then we came, we came back, and my friend's parents were both gone. Hmm. And it's because his mom had been boiling some water i guess for tea and she put it in a pitcher and the pitcher just like shattered on her oh, no. and got and like so basically got all over her like her groin and her thighs yeah and so his his dad um was like like quick thinking enough to immediately like take all of her clothes off so that it didn't burn her mm-hmm. uh and then they had to end up going to the emergency room so we were just like riding bikes and then came back and I had to get told this story. That is what it made me think of. Just uh, like I true, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if I if I had bees in my shirt, my thought would probably not even be to take my shirt off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be like just trying to scoop the bee out. So while they're running, the bees are instantly no longer a problem. Kate discovers uh, two dead bodies. Um, they start going over them. Jack is looking at both of them, and Kate, you know, kind of wonders where do they come from. Jack says, didn't you guys shoot a polar bear last week? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack says it takes 40 to 50 years for clothing to degrade like this, at least. 
I guess that's just something he knows offhand. Mm -hmm. He's a doctor, but there's literally no reason why he would need to know that. He finds a pouch with with one of the bodies with uh, two stones in it, one light and one dark, and kind of mirroring Locke's conversation with Walt Mm -hmm. back on, I think, episode one. Locke and Charlie come back. Charlie gives Kate her shirt back. She's, she explains, saying it was full of bees. He makes this really good joke where he says, oh, I'd have thought C's, actually. So and, funny. Emma, what do you think about this joke? Do you like it? I had to pause the uh-huh. show because I was laughing so yeah. hard. And a kid had just died on your operating table earlier that day, right? So <laughs> you were, And you were still able to laugh until, you, until your sides hurt mm-hmm. at yeah. this joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sucks. Um... Do you ever, well, I guess you probably would have to deal with it more than me, but, like, there's always these, like, really skis, skeezy guys that, like, are super interested in bra size. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found out one of my friends from high school was one of those guys, and I truly could never look at him the same. Oh, where, no. Where you're just like, uh, come on, dude, don't, mm-hmm. you don't need to, to guess on people. But Charlie asks if the corpses are the people that were here before us. But Locke clearly had not been informed that there was anyone here before us. So I guess Charlie is guessing if these are the French people. Mm-hmm. But we think probably not, just because Jack, Jack said it was 40 to 50 years and that transmission had only been going for about 16. Mm-hmm. One of them is a woman, and Locke says, our very own Adam and Eve, uh... Because he needs to make it as creepy as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Back on the beach, Sun is rubbing aloe on Jin's handcuff chafe. Uh, Or maybe, I guess, just burn at this point, just from being out in the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, If we get another flashback, she's coming home to their nice new apartment. Or nice apartment, at least. Uh, She's shopping. She's got a Chanel bag. All kinds of... They're clearly living well. Uh, and she comes home, and there's a big box on the couch, and inside it is the cutest little puppy that you ever did see. The cutest, chubbiest puppy. Yeah. Adorable. Jin got the puppy for her because, uh, you know, he feels bad about being gone so much. And then he gives this weird line of, like, now now remember, you're going to have to train it and feed it and take care of it. What was that? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just showing, you know, even when he's trying to be nice, he is still a little bit... Controlling, mm-hmm. and then Sun says a line which I think is very nice and poignant. Which is, remember when all he had to give me was a flower, uh, and they kind of hold on that. But then Jin gets a phone call and uh, gets called away. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the start of you know the decline of their relationship, or you're at least starting to see it. So far, though, it just seems like he's busy, not that he's malicious. Right. Locke stays to help Charlie salvage the wreckage um and jack says that you know the caves would make a great shelter and he's starting to think hauling water to the beach would take a long time uh maybe we should just move to the caves and kate immediately does not seem super pumped about that i would you be a beach person or a cave person oh i'm team cave yeah 100%. same yeah. here Thrilling. yeah and part of that is because I know this show has six seasons, so they're not getting rescued anytime soon. Um, but also, come on. It looks nice in there. It seems, I bet you it's nice and cool. Mm-hmm. 
You get some water whenever you want. There's no, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm team cave for sure. Yeah, I don't understand the the hesitancy, I guess. Like, just have somebody, like, man the, keep watch on the beach. Yeah, the like, signal fire. Yeah. For sure. Well, and, like, Saeed was with the party that, like, found out, like, hey, this French transmission has been playing on a loop for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's coming by. Uh, right. You, you know that at that point. Even if you don't care about any of the rest of the mystery of the island, like, you know. I thought maybe, like, they were going to steer it in a direction where she was uncomfortable with it being a place where people were laid to rest. Like, I could see that, but just, I don't understand the, yeah, hesitancy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I do wonder, I wonder what they do with those bodies. I mm-hmm. guess bury them or leave them out for the boars. So, um... Back on the beach, Walt is just kind of chilling out there, and Jin is just staring at him. But, I mean, credit to Daniel Day Kim. He does not look threatening when he stares at him. He looks like mm-hmm. just kind of like... My guess is he's just looking, thinking over in his head like, oh, this is the kid's dad that I just beat up in front of him. Mm-hmm. Walt asks Michael uh, why people like them don't like people like us. And Michael, to his credit, like walks it back. He says... Look, hey, man, I didn't mean that, you know, I only said it because I was mad. This is, I think, the first good dad thing that he's done mm-hmm. on the show. Like, he, uh, up till now, I would have expected that his answer would be, you know, why don't, shut up, kids don't ask questions about that kind of stuff or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. So, good job, Michael. Walt says, what did you do to him anyways? And Michael says, look, we've been together this whole time. Have you seen me do anything? Like, what kind of man do you think I am? And we realize, you know, Walt's mom never talked about him. And Walt really just doesn't know anything about Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> Walt says, well, you don't know anything about me either. And, and then uh, Michael says, yes, I do. And Walt says, okay, well, what's my birthday then? Like, this is to me extremely funny because like that's Walt, that's the one question that he will know the answer yeah. to. <laughs> you could have asked him anything else about right. your life and he would not have known. But Michael's going to remember your birthday, dude. Michael knows Walt's birthday, August 24th. Which means Walt is canonically a Virgo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can decide as the show goes on whether or not that holds true. Hard to tell on a on a kid that does not get a ton of screen time so far. But Walt does not know Michael's birthday. And it kind of makes him realize, like, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about this guy either. When is your dad's birthday? We've talked about it already. So my dad's birthday is October 6th, which was the airing of Tabula Rasa. Oh, so my right. dad... Uh, my dad is a Libra. And then my stepdad's birthday is uh, February 2nd. How about you? January 19th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sun is talking to Jin and says she's going to go explain. And Jin says, no, don't. Why would you, you know, this guy's a thief. Which, so at this point we don't know about the watch still. So I guess it's kind of like trying to like red herring us into thinking that it is because of racism mm-hmm. um because we haven't seen michael steal anything up until this point so in flashback now Jin comes into the apartment just covered in blood he's got blood on his hands and on a, on his shirt he immediately goes to a bathroom to start washing it off but some follows him in so in my notes right here i have written stop at a gas station dude mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what get Gas station bathrooms are there for you to rinse blood off of. Mm-hmm. That's the only purpose that they serve. Uh, <laughs> uh, she starts questioning, you know, whose blood is that? What's going on? 
he just doesn't answer any of her questions and says, I was working. Uh, she starts to, like, kind of grab him a little bit, um, and then he pushes her away and she slaps him. And then Jin says, I do whatever your father tells me, and I do it for us. Now, I know you had said before we started recording this episode that especially in light of the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, <laughs> that you wanted to talk about women hitting men, so you had some some stuff you yeah. really want to say about this, Emma? What I was have um, <laughs> a lot prepared. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is interesting that, like, Jin has been borderline abusive this entire time and but they they don't really ever have him he's controlling for sure but he doesn't he he clearly purposefully not hitting son mm-hmm. like he, he's not hitting her back here um even though he's extremely angry i i mean we can talk i guess by the end of it but what are your thoughts on Jin after the whole of this episode i guess i just don't understand how it could spiral into now he's like a hitman for her father. So I don't know. I want to know more about their backstory. I don't remember like any of this. So yeah. Do well, they address that again? Like, do they kind of go into that more? Yes. Okay. So the interesting thing is, I mean, we'll see it when, like when we get the first, well, maybe I won't say that because of spoilers, but with Sun and Jin, you know, their backstories are obviously linked, which is fine, but they, like, this is very clearly a Sun episode, and not just because it has her name in the title, like, it, uh, the flashbacks are all centered on her, flashbacks happen where she's the point of view, like, mm-hmm. Jin is in them, but he's never without Sun. Eventually we'll get the same, but from Jin's point of view, and so Sun will be in them, obviously, but it'll just be about him, so, I mean, this stuff definitely does get explained. But yeah, I mean, we kind of see, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know if he's like a hitman. My my thought is like, he, it seems like he's kind of in like a mafia type thing, mm. um, which I looked up the Korean word or the Korean, what the, like the Korean mob is called, and it's not super catchy, which honestly is, is great, I think, for the show, mm-hmm. because TV shows love to say Yakuza and they love to say triad all the time. Yeah. So uh, that word would have been thrown around like crazy if they hadn't been Korean. So it was good that the Korean word for mob is not super catchy. But yeah, so Jack and Kate are heading back from the caves with water for everyone. And uh, (laughs) so uh, they stop. Kate's tying her shoe and Jack uh, is just staring. And she says, are you checking me out? And he denies it and says, look, if I was checking you out, you'd know. Uh, So first question, Emma... Uh, was he checking her out? I mean, I think so. Yeah, of course. And why is he denying it, too? Yeah, that's so funny. This episode is very weird. It's very (laughs) weird. Their dynamic is very weird to me. Yeah. In this episode. Yeah, because they were instant, like, buddies from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Jack seemed... I mean, he was angry, and he kind of accused her of being a murderer, in when he finds out that, you know, the mugshot is of her, uh, he was cool about it and seems cool with Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he says, if I was checking you out, you'd know. What do you think he means by that? I don't know. <laughs> I, here's what I think. I think that if Jack was actually checking Kate out, his eyes would pop out of his 
head. Mm-hmm. Really wide. He would start pounding the floor with one foot, uh, whistling, howling up until the moon. Saying a wooga. Yeah. Oh, for sure he'd be saying a wooga wooga. You know what? He might even throw in a few humana humana humanas in there as well. Um, and then he would pull on his cummerbund and it would uh, roll up like a window shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Very weird. But he deflects and says, uh, no, I was just staring at your ass, but I was thinking of about living in the caves, and he talks about how they could build a dam in there. Um, Kate says she, that it makes sense, but she definitely is obviously not convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, weird. I, I mean, like, I don't know. This whole thing, like you said, their dynamic is weird. Uh, if Jack was interested in Kate, which he clearly is, this would be the perfect time, because she's, she's obviously saying, um, I think about you like that, too. Mm-hmm. So, like... Uh, she's thrown down stuff, and he is seems like he's purposely not picking it up. Locke is following Charlie around. Uh, I love this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, is there something that you want to tell me? And obviously we're immediately going towards drugs. Uh, and Charlie says, no, I'm just going to the loo. Uh, leave me alone. Um, he's a lot like uh, Joss Whedon. Charlie is. Oh, actually, Charlie's a lot like Joss Whedon in a lot of ways. But in the sense that he uses the word Lou. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie is British. Joss Whedon is not. Did you read that article that came out about Joss Whedon? No. Where he... Oh, man. It's horrific. Because he clearly thinks the interviewer is on his side. And he's kind of trying to, like, plant the seeds for a comeback after he kind of got Me Too'd. Yeah. And uh, he talks about... <laughs> he literally talks about at the beginning of the interview... Like, if someone asks me a question that I don't want to answer, I just say I have to go to the loo. And then he does it later on in the interview. (laughs) My God. Locke is not asking about the drugs. He says, I know who you are and I know what you're looking for. Uh, Turns out Locke is the island's only fan of Drive Shaft. Mm -hmm. So he knows Charlie played bass. He knows that Charlie played bass off just off of the top of his head. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Charlie pipes in that he played guitar on a few tracks. This is funny, especially when you think about there was that scene where Locke was whittling the dog whistle while the marshal was, like, dying. And Charlie started trying to talk to him about how he was an abandoned Locke just fully ignored him. Mm-hmm. But, like, he clearly, he clearly at least knows... He knows the band, and he knows their second album is called Oil Change. And then he gives, he, he says, I'm a big fan of you guys, although I did think that your self-titled debut was a stronger effort than your second album. Which is like maybe the most basic music criticism you can give, mm-hmm. right? Like, couldn't you say that to any band? He asked Charlie when the last time he played guitar was, and Charlie says, Oh, I haven't played in eight days, 11 hours, you know, 12 minutes, give or take. And... Uh, so clearly he's missing his guitar, and Locke says, you're going to see it again, uh, and I, ha- I have faith. The, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to finally get some payoff for the drive shaft thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the way back to the beach, Saeed is chopping wood, and Kate and Jack uh, happen upon him, and he's thrilled because he can finally drink some water. Uh, he explains the gin situation to them, and Jack talks about how he wants to start setting up camp in the caves. Um, Saeed immediately thinks it's a bad idea. My Saeed knows better. This doesn't seem like... Yeah. You know, 
what his he's, character would do. He's still holding out hope, I think. I, yeah, I mean, he says, is there a reason you didn't consult us when you decided to form your own civilization? Which just seems really harsh. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you disagree with Jack uh, that the cave is the is a bad way to go because you're never going to get rescued, like, you, you have to at least admit, like, it makes sense to do. Or, like, at least know that there's merit to that right. idea to, to push it. And Kate kind of backs up Jack in this. She says, well, it is the only, you know, water that, fresh water that we found so far. And Saeed says, well, I'm not willing to admit defeat. And then grabs his axe and and wood and walks away. He goes to apologize to Michael and for not believing him. Michael says, oh, I appreciate that, but I can tell <laughs> that's, you don't actually care about that and mm-hmm. you just want to talk to me about something else, so what is it? Uh, Saeed tries to convince Michael to stay on the beach, and Michael says yes. Jack is, like, politicianing some extras. He's, like... Shaking hands and kissing babies and stuff <laughs> to get people to go to the caves. Um, so this is where we get, I mean, like alliances are forming. Uh, this is kind of the, it's always been a little bit reminiscent of Survivor just because of that time period and they're on an island. But this is like the first, and obviously, you know, Jin attacking Michael was, but as a group, this is like the the first big inter- party conflict Mm -hmm. like they're they're just fully you know forming up against themselves yeah and i i i like i said i'm team cave for sure uh jack gives Jin some water tells him to drink a little bit at a time and then he goes to talk to hurley Uh, and hurley says i go where the boar's at which i guess means that Locke is moving to the caves now just to remind our listeners because i don't know if you not everyone knows what a boar is. It's basically like a like a 250-pound rat with <laughs> scimitar-like tusks and a surly disposition, and it wants nothing more than to eviscerate anything that comes near. Just just to remind you guys. So Hurley teases Jack about being about flirting with Kate. You know, Jack correctly says, like, what are we in high school? Mm-hmm. But it's just this whole situation is weird. Like is nobody else flirting on the island? Yeah. Even there eight days. Like, uh, nobody's, like, having, like, you're all having just shell-shocked conversations with each other. We know that's not the case. You went hunting for fish with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when they're not allowed to flirt? I don't know. just seems weird. Sawyer goes to Kate and asks uh, what it's like to have both Jack and Saeed fighting over her. Uh, do you get the sense that Saeed is fighting over her? No. That was, yeah, I don't either. I was a little taken aback by that comment. Maybe something got, like, cut out, or I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I, and nothing that I could... I, I looked through the deleted stuff, and I couldn't see anything about that. I, I It feels like maybe it's just projection, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, clearly he's been doing his, like, pulling on pigtails version of flirting with Kate mm-hmm. uh, this whole time. So maybe he's just trying to... He's trying to seem like he's above it or whatever, but um, he lays out <laughs> he lays out the central conflict. So they love to give this stuff to Sawyer. Of you know, you go to the beach, um, you might get killed by boar or fall off a rock or drown or whatever. And if you go to the caves, you're not going to be there when rescue comes. Uh, but neither of them is saying where they're going to go. So Michael walks off to chop some wood. And Sun follows him, kind of peering at him through the trees. And we get another flashback. Um, Sun is talking to a decorator 
And this is at least a year or two later. Like, the dog is basically fully grown. Probably a couple years, actually. Mm-hmm. Jin is sitting on the couch working on the phone. He's annoyed. Um, Sun is talking to the decorator who is really helping her uh, leave the country. So the decorator lays out this plan saying, you're, you're not going to take anything. And at 11.15 at the airport, you're going to just leave. Your family's going to think you were kidnapped. And then they're going to think you're dead. And then you'll be free. And Sun is agreeing to it. So she's clearly, she's fully given up on mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, her father, who we don't see in this episode, we don't know. I mean, we should mention this is a little bit of a disappointment for this episode. Just last episode was so heavy on the daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And then this week they're pretty much just implied. We don't get a single mention of Sun's mom or any other like siblings or anything like that. But yeah, she's willing to give up on all of them. They're going to think she's dead and uh, the decorator's helping her escape. And then back in the present, Sun goes to talk to Michael. She speaks English. Mm-hmm. Uh, big reveal. Did you um, did you remember that? I did remember that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it, looking at the show as a whole, it, it is kind of early. Like, this is episode six. But it's honestly wild that they let it go until episode six. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's basically been two characters that have been almost completely unable to really, like, interact with the rest of the cast. And even now, it, there'll be, you know, it's their son's interaction with Michael is secret and presumably they're going to be keeping the secret that she speak that she speaks English. So Mm -hmm. Michael asks why she's keeping it a secret. And she says, yeah, Jim doesn't know. And he has a bad temper. She says the fight was a misunderstanding. It was uh, over the watch and the watch belongs to her father. And for Jim protecting the watch is a question of honor. This is one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, this, (laughs) I don't know about this one guys. Mm hmm doesn't have to be a question of honor. It could just be that he's a controlling freak that wants his watch back. So she says she needs his help. So at this point, too, let's see. So we've got early on, I mean, very early on, Michael tries to talk to Sun and Jin, and that's when Jin makes her button up her shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get Michael walking in on uh, Sun bathing, and then Sun helping watch Walt. So there is, like, this connection between them. I don't know if it's, like, hinting at, like, a, you know, future romance type thing that they're planning or what. It's, uh, it's interesting, though. That's kind of what my take on it was, that they're trying to, like, lay the groundwork for some sort of affair. Back in the caves, uh, Charlie tries to walk off again, but Locke is still following him. Now Locke is talking about the drugs. He says, just hand it to me. Um, he says... You know, you're going to run out sooner or later, and it's going to be a painful detox, so you might as well make it your choice. Offers to help. What do you think about this? I don't know. I thought it was kind of sweet that he's, like, reaching out and trying to help. I mean, my thought is, if you're on an island, maybe literally no better time uh, to do heroin than when you're trapped on an island. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, or brown sugar, I'm sorry. Uh, And Locke clearly needs it for some kind of recipe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is good that he's saying, like, you you know, you're as soon as that's gone, you've completely lost your power. So if you give it to me, you're making the choice. I, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me, is interesting. He says, he, you know, he asks if Charlie wants his guitar back. You know, the island's going to give it to him, but he has to give the island something first. And then Locke hands out his own hand. 
So Locke is clearly like viewing himself as the island at this mm-hmm. point, which just interesting. So mm-hmm. uh, Charlie does give it over, and Locke tells him to look up, and Charlie does, and look at that, the guitar is up there in a tree branch in the case. Um, and uh, he kind of starts crying when he sees it. It's a very moving scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely, like, you believe that he was missing that guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost more than the drugs at this point. So, now is this, I was going to ask, is this interesting to talk about, like, the deleted scenes? Because there's something for this, but I, do you think, does it make sense to talk about them? Because obviously, so. like, they're not canon. But so something, this scene was originally going to be Locke being a little bit more manipulative mm-hmm. um, and kind of pumping Charlie for information about the stuff with like the polar bear and the transmission and that kind of stuff. So he doesn't do it in this. So it's, I don't think that we can necessarily say Locke is doing something negative here, but it does, clearly their original intention was for this to not be a completely positive interaction. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Kate uh, is sitting out on the beach. Jack tells her, hey, we're about ready to leave. And she says, I'm not going. She doesn't want to be Eve. Uh, she doesn't want to dig in. Um, Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so Jack finally, three episodes later, says, well, Kate, just what is it that you did? Um, and she doesn't tell him. He had his chance. I think that's fair at that point. He's clearly trying to, like, psychoanalyze her mm-hmm. based on whatever it's like. It, it feels like a weird almost uh, projection, I guess, like where he's... It can't be that she disagrees with my idea, so there must be some underlying trauma that she has that makes her not want to move to the caves. I don't know. I was proud of Kate for doing that. Yeah. I think, I mean, the I don't want to be Eve thing, I think, is fair. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Jack meant it like that. I think he's just trying to think of survival. And again, like I said, like I agree. We I mean we both are Team Cave, hashtag Team Cave. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Michael goes to talk to Jen. Um he's holding his axe very threateningly and, you know, Jin does not speak English, at least to our knowledge. Maybe we'll find out later. He he basically just vents to him and says, uh, guess what? I've been having a pretty bad month. Um my kid's mom dies, I have to take him, and now we're on this island, and now you're attacking me. Uh, gives him the watch back, and then uh, looks like he's going to hit Jin with the axe, but instead just hits the handcuffs and lets him free. Uh, our final flashback for the episode, Jin is waiting in line while Jack is... So we're basically seeing a different version of, or a different perspective of the exact same area from Jack's episode. Mm-hmm. So while Jack is yelling at Chrissy uh, about his dad's body, um, Jin is waiting in line to to check them in, uh, and Sun is kind of waiting behind him. And she looks at the clock, and it is eleven fifteen. And she looks outside, and she can see the car that's ready to take her. Uh, and she looks back at Jin one last time. He holds out a flower, same looking one as you know, the original flower from the flashback and gives her a smile and she decides to stay. Uh, and she's crying. I, this, I mean, this is just phenomenal. She's mm-hmm. so good in this scene. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. And I mean, like I said, 
earlier, Jin has been borderline abusive up to this point. It's like, it isn't necessarily a happy thing that she uh, she wants to stay with him, right? But it does make you think, like, there's clearly something else there. Right. She at least believes in Jin. Uh, yeah, very, very great scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Injun Kim is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the cave, Charlie is kind of strumming his guitar, getting back into the rhythm of it, um, and Jack brings in uh, everybody who decided to go with him. So, of the people that we have interacted with so far, the actual cast members, not the the bodies walking around as the extras, um, Jin and Son came to the caves, uh, and Hurley. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie is presumably staying there, Locke is presumably staying uh, Claire is not in this episode at all. Um, she's actually not a regular cast member at this point. I think she doesn't become a regular cast member until later on in this season. Mm. Um, so she is not in every episode uh, for a bit. But Hurley puts on his Walkman and plays Are You Sure by Willie Nelson. Great song choice. It's great. It lands so well. Yeah, absolutely. Now... We've established this. You would be willing to fight over that Walkman. Yeah. So that is would this be the point, point? Yeah. Is this the point where Emma would like just come out of nowhere and tackle Hurley? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe and even before this. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't take me long to snap for that Walkman. Jin looks up from beating Michael in the beach, and then you're over there doing that to Hurley, <laughs> <laughs> just just a little bit down the way. Um. So Sawyer. Uh, Boone and Shannon and Michael and Walt all stayed on the beach along with Saeed and Kate. Michael and Walt are sitting around the fire and Walt asks Michael what his birthday is, trying to find out more about his dad. I mean, this is great. Obviously, the scene where Michael gives Walt Vincent, Walt doesn't know Locke found Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this it's just, uh, it's cute, but this feels like the first time that they're really opening up to each other. Mm-hmm. I really find that on this since I've rewatched it, and even last time I watched it, I've been finding I really appreciate the Michael and Walt stuff a lot more. Uh, I think when I watched this originally, I was I was like thirteen myself, and I truly just did not care about mm-hmm. them. Um, but now I really this is I don't know it's really nice. Uh, yeah, we get a montage of everyone staring mournfully into the fire. It doesn't seem like anyone's all that happy with their choice. I'm surprised by Shannon and Boone. Staying, on, staying the on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. It does seem... Shannon doesn't seem like someone that wants to walk to and from the caves mm-hmm. to get water. Although, to be fair, she also seems like someone that could get anybody else to do it for her. Mm-hmm. So, maybe True. that'll be the case. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't have any lines either. That's the first time so far that they haven't had any lines in any of the episodes. And yeah, that's, that's episode six, House of the Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I to me, I think this is honestly just lost kind of at its best. Where, in, in the big reveals, like the, you know, Locke was in a wheelchair or Jack's dad being dead and that's who he's been following. Like, that kind of stuff. That's always great, too. Mm-hmm. But I love when the flashbacks... I mean, this just kind of is running on all cylinders, right? Like, the stories on the island are both good and compelling. The flashback on its own is good and compelling, but it also gives, like, 
narrative tension to the stuff that's happening on the island. Mm-hmm. So you're getting character development, you're getting plot development, you're getting the whole thing. It's gonna... The show doesn't always do this, but I just think it works best when the flashbacks get to be almost their own genre. Where it's like, Kate kind of has like her, you know, the fugitive thing, or Jack has the like medical drama type mm-hmm. deal, and this is kind of like your soap opera, almost, with Son and Jin. Yeah. And I think, I actually was thinking about it, Locke, to me, is kind of like the... It, it, he's kind of got a Breaking Bad type vibe, where mm-hmm. not not in the sense of him actually Breaking Bad, but just in the sense of like, I think the fa- the fantasy of Breaking Bad is that it's like this guy who's like really trod on by society, and now he gets to prove how how you know incredible he is. Mm-hmm. And Locke's kind of getting that where he was just such a absolute like doormat loser off the island, and now he's like. You know, the hunter who's shaving his face with a bowie knife and, mm-hmm. and uh, hunting down boar with his bare hands. But yeah, so I had wanted to start going through, like, reviews that came out. Yeah. But it's, they're, they're hard to find, though, I will say. I, and, and I think in 2004, there really wasn't their, like, there wasn't that same industry of, like, you know, the AV Club recaps and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um so I just went on IMDb and looked at their their lost episode ranking. Um, this got an eight point one, which is obviously good. Uh, no lost episode gets below a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, although there are certainly episodes that, in my opinion, uh, deserve to be way below a seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, so this on the ranking out of one hundred eighteen episodes, this one is a hundred and one. Seems crazy to me. Yeah, it should be way higher. This, I mean, there's some great episodes coming up, obviously, but I think this is such a good one, and I think, I think part of the problem maybe is that it doesn't really like, it's, like it's all interpersonal conflicts. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mysterious really going on in this one, mm-hmm. so maybe everybody's just jonesing for their their island mystery plot, and they're not getting it. Sure. But, um, yeah, and then Sawyer's nickname. The only one that I caught this week was he called Saeed Captain Falafel. Cool, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in historic events, um, okay. I didn't see anything about when this aired um, mm-hmm. in October 2004. But that week, just a couple days before this aired, um, Fidel Castro, Cuba's president... Announced mm-hmm. that transactions using the American dollar would be banned. Interesting. So when you mm-hmm. say Fidel Castro, you mean the body double that is pretending to be Fidel Castro? Yes. <laughs> because obviously Fidel Castro died in 1987. Mm-hmm. But, um, and you can go to my blog to find out more about this. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's crazy to think that I remember seeing news stories about like relations with Cuba. Yeah. You don't really see that anymore. Like, do you remember that kid that came by on his own? Yeah. There was like that. There was like a national like news story where it's like this kid like got on a raft and, I mean, it's all. I always think like, is this propaganda? Right. With that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this like dude has to leave this impoverished nation and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, you don't really see that anymore. Cuba's cute. It's all about the the Ukraine now mm-hmm. or South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. 
I think that's it for House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. Next week, we're going to cover episode seven, The Moth. And this is the Charlie one, right? Yes, yeah, Charlie. Out. Yeah, finally, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to get some some answers to why he is like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to contact us, please go to our Twitter at AllTheBestPods or send us an email at AllTheBestPodcasts at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, all of it you can send to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a rating, five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're getting your podcasts from. And until next time... Get lost. Get lost.